0: I think we've got a problem, we need to fix it Everybody agrees we need to fix it and we're going to work on that Senator
1: McConnell, you have a problem
0: Good luck on that, Senator McConnell Yeah, you got a problem, alright Well, I don't know why I came here tonight I wonder who caused that problem I got the feeling that something right Must be the Democrats I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair <laughs> And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs let me jokers to the right here I am stuck in the middle with you I am you yes, stuck in the middle From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ and in Cottage Grove on Queso, in Lancaster Pennsylvania on WLRI Maui Hawaii's KAKU Columbus Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, New Orleans' uh, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle, Washington's KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, Round Mountain, California's KKRN, And Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM 950, KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day for your listening convenience on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. You can run, but you can't hide from the broadcast as much as I might like to each and every day these <laughs> days. Uh, but yeah. actually, not today, Desi Doyen. Okay. Uh, coming up, we've got a a huge loss and a huge personal humiliation to go with it from the judge in this case. Uh, this judge, a Republican George W. Bush appointed judge, by the way. Um, Above and beyond the legal loss itself, there's this personal humiliation, which is really quite fun, for the nation's top, if quickly fading, GOP voter fraud fraudster Chris Kobach, the Kansas Republican Secretary of State and National Embarrassment. As if we don't have enough of those these days, uh, who is now running, by the way, to become governor of the great state of Kansas this year, will be joined shortly by one of the ACLU attorneys who fought and on Monday won the long and embarrassing case against Kobach's proof of citizenship requirement for voter registration in Kansas, which served only to keep tens of thousands of perfectly legal Kansas voters from being able to vote at all. As designed, and uh, as if that's not enough, the ACLU has today filed yet another lawsuit against Chris Kobach after winning that one uh, over his cross-check scheme to supposedly stop voters from registering to vote in two separate states. The ACLU's Sophia Lakin will join us momentarily to discuss all of that and more. So there's that. Yes. And... Uh, if that's not enough to cheer you up today, Desi Doyen will will be here with one of her always cheerful green news <laughs> reports.
1: Well, we try. We try to make them cheerful, even when they're not necessarily.
0: Yeah, and today's isn't very cheerful. Well, uh, in any event, uh, let's see here. Uh, Senate Republicans, according to the New York Times, just before air today, vowed to pass a bill ending child separations at the border. As Donald Trump continued to defend his administration's zero tolerance policy. Well, I will believe that when I see it. Uh, as the Time notes, GOP lawmakers are increasingly desperate at this point to fix the problem that Trump himself created on his own. No, it's not the Democrats' fault, as he continues to falsely argue today. So the Republicans want to fix this problem very, very quickly. But I would suggest it will not be easy for them. Trump is digging in his heels. According to the paper, Republican senators moved on Tuesday to diffuse a political crisis of their own making and of Donald Trump's own making, I should add, by seeking passage of legislation that would swiftly bring an end to Trump's practice of separating children from their parents when families cross into the U.S., Uh, Illegally, Senate Senator Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, the majority leader, said that, quote, all of the members of the Republican Congress support a plan that keeps families together, endorsing an, an approach that would provide legal authority to detain parents and children together while their legal status in the country is assessed by the courts. So they're essentially pretending that they have to pass a law in order to make it uh, such that uh, parents who are detained don't have to be separated from their children. But the only reason they have to be separated is because Donald Trump decided to start charging them with felonies instead of the misdemeanor charge that it is and that it has been for years Uh, under Several of the schemes Republicans are now trying to pull together, asylum claims would be expedited by adding more immigration judges or allowing families to be processed before others are processed, according to Republican senators. McConnell said he plans to reach out to Democrats to support the effort hoping to stop the political damage from an administration policy that led to heartbreaking stories of children separated from their mothers, brutal images of children in makeshift detention camps. But Republicans, it seems, may not like, uh, I'm sorry, Democrats, may not like helping the GOP out of this mess that they created and that the president created. Senator Chuck uh, Schumer of New York, the Democrat Democratic minority leader immediately shot down the Republican approach, saying that Trump could and should use his ex- executive authority, not legislation. To quickly end the family separations, Schumer said there are so many obstacles to legislation, and when the president can do it with his own pen, it makes no sense.
1: Yeah, it doesn't seem to be really getting across uh, a lot of the media, the corporate media that's reporting on this. They do seem to be saying, well, you know, Trump changed the policy. But they by covering the Republicans' desire to pass a law, they reinforce this false concept that it needs a law. It doesn't well, need a law. He can pick up the phone. Trump can pick up the phone. And... And fix this problem and end it right now.
0: Well, yes, but of course they have to cover uh, the fact that Republicans are scrambling now to try to pass legislation. That is
1: unnecessary, but, but
0: yes. Unnecessary? Yeah. The oh, the, to pass a legislation, exactly. not to cover it. Yeah. In, in this case, uh, in any legislation, this is the problem. This is, I think, what Schumer is talking about. Anything they try to pass is going to be larded up with all kinds of poison pill provisions because Republicans have proven they are either unable or too cowardly to stand up to this president and pass, you know, a simple bill that would do one thing, like end his family separation policy, or one thing, restore the DACA program that all the Republicans claim to support, the uh, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program that Obama put in place. They all claim to support that. Uh, And they could pass a bill that restores the protection to immigrant children who came here years ago with their parents, kids who are in the DACA program, but that uh, Trump stopped protection for with the stroke of his pen last year. If they're really bothered by it, they can pass a single bill that has that, that doesn't have billions of dollars for the wall and and, uh, family reunification and uh, the visa lottery program. They can do that. They don't want to do that. We'll see if maybe they do now, though. The Republican uh, scramble, the Times reports, emerged even as Trump remained defiant in the face of calls to abandon his zero tolerance policy of prosecuting everyone who crosses the border. That forced officials to take more than 2300 children away from their parents in just the past two months since mid-April. 2300 children. Nonetheless, in an afternoon speech, Trump continued to falsely blame Democrats for causing this uh, problem and dismissed as, quote, crazy several of the Republican proposals to address the issue. Throughout the day, Trump gave no sign of relenting on his zero-tolerance policy, even as uh, outrage about it has intensified. The president uh, once blamed Democrats uh, for supporting, quote, Crippling loopholes that cause family separation. This was a series of tweets uh, along with this speech that Trump gave this afternoon, and he claimed without evidence that the Democratic politicians are eager to let members of MS-13 and other violent gangs into the United States so they can eventually vote for Democrats. And you'll notice now that the trick they're trying to do, that uh, uh, Kirsten, Kristen, what the hell's her Kirsten name? Kirsten
1: Nielsen. Nielsen. Secretary the sec- of the Department of Homeland right. Security.
0: Uh, that... Uh, There are only two options here. Do what the administration is doing now or have a completely open borders policy.
1: Only two options. That's it. That's all there is. Can't think of anything else. Nothing in the middle. No other administration has ever done anything else other than those. two That's it.
0: Yeah. And oddly enough, uh, the Trump administration seems to have found some other option prior to. What was it, April 16, when they <laughs> yeah. put in this uh, this new policy? So somewhere there must be some other solution. But no, those are the only two. That's what uh, Kirsten Nielsen said yesterday. Kirsten. Kirsten, Kirsten, Kirsten. Secretary Kirsten. Nielsen. It confuses me because she has a J in the middle of the name, totally inappropriately, <laughs> Kirsten. Um She called for that on Monday. Donald Trump repeated that again. Today, in his uh, speech to this business group, two, uh, two other business groups, however, are uh, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the biggest uh, supporter of Republicans uh, in in the nation. When it comes to elections, they put more money into elections than anyone else. Uh, so, the U.S. Chamber and the Business of Roundtable, the Business Roundtable, both condemn the practice of separating children from their parents. The Roundtable called it, quote, cruel and contrary to American values. The Chamber's top official said, quote, this is not who we are and it must end now. Well, this is who we are now, Chamber of Commerce. These are the folks that you have been supporting and spending hundreds of millions of dollars to get elected now for years, year after year after year. We wouldn't even be in this shape, most likely, had uh, Republicans that you supported, Chamber of Commerce, uh, if they had had the courage to deal with all sorts of immigration problems that we've had going back for years now. But they would not even allow a vote on immigration, on any aspect of immigration, uh, to come up for a vote in the U.S. Senate, any sort of uh, plan In that U.S. Senate or the U.S. House, any plan that actually could have passed. Nonetheless, on Capitol Hill, the Republican backlash against the policy grew louder and louder today. Senator Orrin Hatch, Republican of Utah, is asking his Senate colleagues to sign a letter to the Justice Department requesting a quote pause on family separations. Oh, pretty please. At least until Congress can pass legislation. Hatch told reporters on Monday that the separation policy was not American, except it is, apparently. Senator Rob Portman, Republican of Ohio, said in a statement, quote, I oppose the Trump administration's policy of separating children from their parents. This is counter to our values. Senator Ron Johnson, Republican of Wisconsin and chair of the Senate Homeland Security Committee, said he was working on legislation that would keep families together while increasing the number of federal immigration judges so court hearings could be faster, could be expedited. Ted Cruz of Texas is trying to is proposing something similar over in the House. Congressman Mark Meadows of North Carolina, he's the uh, chair of the right-wing House Freedom Caucus, used to be the Tea Party Caucus. He also said that he was going to introduce a measure that would more easily allow family units to stay together as part of a legislative package. But therein lies the rub. If it's a package, it ain't going to pass because they're going to put all kinds of crap in there that Democrats can't possibly support. But members of the president's party uh, themselves were expressing deep concern about the need to move quickly to end family separations. Uh, something that would uh, be difficult to achieve as part of a debate over fixing the immigration system. So they know they have a problem. They know they're not going to be able to put do this as part of a package. At least the leadership does. What the rank and file uh, and what the U.S. House uh, has to say, well, that remains to be seen. Of course, that's not the only havoc that Trump is now causing without apology, though it's uh, finally, thankfully, getting some attention, the attention that it deserves from the corporate media. But uh, at the same time, markets plummeted on Monday following Trump's vow to add two hundred billion dollars in tariffs. Two hundred billion in tariffs to his ongoing trade war with China after China responded to Trump's initial sanctions or uh, not sanctions, but uh, tariffs. Um, they responded with promises for $50 billion of their own tariffs on American goods exported to China. More on that in our Green News report today and likely on an upcoming show. Uh, because Trump's family separation policy is also causing problems with the rest of the world. Uh, just before we go to air today, the U.S. announced Tuesday it was leaving the United Nations Human Rights Council U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley called it, quote, an organization that is not worthy of its name. This, as AP notes, is the latest withdrawal by the Trump administration from an international institution, as we retract from the rest of the world. uh, Haley, uh, who is Trump's envoy to the U.N., said the U.S. had given the human rights body, quote, opportunity after opportunity to make changes But she lambasted the council for, quote, its chronic bias against Israel and lamented the fact that its membership includes human rights abusers such as China, Cuba, Venezuela and the Democratic Republic of Congo. Haley said we take this step because our commitment does not allow us to remain a part of a hypocritical and self-serving organization that makes a mockery of human rights. I would add that actually they take this step because on Monday, the outgoing head of the Human Rights, uh, UN Human Rights Council blasted the U.S. and Donald Trump for the cruel family separations policy. I know it's just a coincidence that we pulled out of the Human Rights uh, Council the very next day after the head of the Human Rights Council blasted the U.S. As we noted on yesterday's program, U.N. Human Rights Chief Saeed Rayad al-Hussein denounced the Trump administration for separating migrant children from parents, calling the policy unconscionable and an abuse. In the U.S., he said, as he listed concerns he has with a number of countries in his last speech as head of that body, he said, I am deeply concerned by recently adopted policies which punish children for their parents' actions. The thought that any state would seek to deter parents by inflicting such abuse on children is unconscionable, he said. Al-Hussein also cited the American Association of Pediatrics, In describing the U.S. policy as, quote, government-sanctioned child abuse, which may cause, quote, irreparable harm. Again, just a coincidence that he said that yesterday and the U.S. pulled out of the Human Rights Council entirely today. The U.S. current term on the council ends next year. It's not immediately clear if the U.S. would remain a non-voting observer on the council, but a full pullout by the U.S. leaves the council without one of its traditional defenders of human rights. The U.S. pullout was bound to have a ripple effect for at least two countries at the Council, China and Israel. The U.S., as uh, at other U.N. organizations, is Israel's biggest offender. And at the Human Rights Council, the U.S. has recently been the most unabashed critic of rights abuses in China. Uh, Barbara Lee, Congresswoman from California, who serves as the Democratic U.S. Congressional Representative to the United Nations General Assembly, said this decision serves no purpose other than to weaken our leadership on the world stage and isolate us from our allies. She said with sensitive negotiations underway with North Korea and ongoing human rights abuses happening around the world, our government should be upholding our commitments, not retreating. From our role in protecting human rights, relinquishing our seat at the table, she said, will not advance human rights. It won't empower the oppressed. It will only undermine America's credibility in the world. Not that we need much help with that. Uh, So with the U.S. now gone, uh, they won't be there to either defend Israel or hold China accountable. Well thought through, guys. (laughs) Uh, you know who else uh, doesn't seem to think things through very well? That would be the outgoing Secretary of State of Kansas, Chris Kobach, whose absurd policy that prevented some voters from voting if they didn't turn over citizenship papers in Kansas? That was struck down by a federal judge on Monday, along with an absolutely humiliating slapdown to Kobach himself. Really? Really? We'll be joined by a member of the ACLU's Voting Rights Project legal team who was on the ground and in the courtroom for the remarkable trial in Kansas. She joins us next uh, to explain the latest humiliation for Chris Kobach, the nation's top GOP voter fraud fraudster, as the existential fight to put at least some breaks on our continuing national emergency this November at the polling place continues with a little bit of good news today for a change. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the broadcast. <laughs> There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. Yes, it's Chris Kobach's theme song. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Eight years ago, back during his initial campaign to become Kansas Secretary of State in 2010, Republican Chris Kobach ran pretty much on one single issue. It was uh, on all of his campaign materials and signs at the time inside a big red stop sign shape. It said, stop voter fraud. That was his issue to stop all of those dastardly Democrats and non-citizens from casting unlawful ballots, ruining elections in Kansas, where Republicans have controlled the mechanisms of most state and local government, as well as U.S. House and Senate seat, for years. After becoming Secretary of State in 2010 on the premise of stopping voter fraud, there was a problem. Chris Kobach was unable to find almost any of it. Nonetheless, that didn't prevent him from instituting photo ID voting restrictions at the polling place, which GOP voter fraud fraudsters have long pretended was needed in order to stop fraud. When in reality, study after study has shown that it's meant to stop perfectly legal Democratic leaning voters who are less likely to have the type of very specific government issued photo IDs required for voting at the polling place under these Republican laws. Polling place fraud is, of course, very rare, at least the type that photo ID voting restrictions could even possibly prevent. But that has not prevented folks like Kobach from pretending otherwise in hopes of disenfranchising minorities, students and other low income voters who tend to lean Democratic Sure, there might have been a lack of convictions for voter fraud in Kansas, uh, but that was only because state and county prosecutors were refusing to bring cases against all of those voter fraud criminals in the state, Kobach argued. Those prosecutors must have been in on the scheme, too, I guess. So Kobach was able to convince the state legislature to give him the power to prosecute fraud cases, making him the only secretary of state in the nation. To have such direct prosecutorial powers to bring cases of voter fraud himself out of millions of votes cast during his two terms so far as secretary of state, he has at last count, I believe, obtained nine convictions, mostly of Republicans who voted in two different states, not knowing that they were not allowed to do so. But with those powers in hand, Kobach went further than any Republican voter fraud fraudster in the country. He convinced the legislature to pass a documentary proof of citizenship requirement for registering to vote at all in Kansas. If you couldn't present your papers like a birth certificate, which many don't have, uh, at least have on them when they register to vote or even have at all, without paying money to obtain them, then you would not be allowed to vote in the state of Kansas under this law. Kobach even tried to force the U.S. Elections Assistance Commission, that's the federal agency that produces the National Voter Registration Form mandated by the National Voter Registration Act of 1993, he tried to convince the EAC to add a requirement to that form, stating that voters specifically from Kansas would not be allowed to register with the National form unless they included their documentary proof of citizenship papers under this law. Despite a trip or two all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court and back, Kobach was unable for years to get that provision added to the federal form. So Kobach just decided that he would create essentially two classes of voters in Kansas, those who would be allowed to vote in federal elections only, only in federal elections if they had signed up on the national forum but didn't include their proof of citizenship, and those Kansans who would vote in federal races as well as all state and local races if they did turn in their papers when registering to vote. None of this, of course, has sat well with nonpartisan voting rights advocates across the country, including the ACLU and the League of Women Voters, who sued Kobach over that Documentary Papers, Please provision that he insisted was needed to prevent hordes of undocumented aliens from voting in Kansas elections. As the case moved through the court system, Donald Trump, a Chris Kobach fan because he saw him on Fox News all the time, somehow became president. And with the advice of Kobach, Trump declared that anywhere from three to five million voters must have voted illegally across the country in 2016 thus giving the popular vote to Hillary Clinton over Trump. So a presidential voter fraud commission needed to be formed, headed up by Kobach himself. After that commission, like the state of Kansas itself, failed to root out the fraud that Trump and Kobach had pretended existed. And after several very embarrassing lawsuits against the commission, which Kobach lost in virtually every way, the commission was disbanded. But the ACLU lawsuit against the proof of citizenship registration scheme back in Kansas continued in the federal court. In that suit, for some reason, Chris Kobach, who fancies himself a legal and constitutional scholar and expert, decided that he wanted to represent himself and the state of Kansas as its attorney. It did not go well. He lost motion after motion as the U.S. District Court Judge Julie Robinson, a Republican George W. Bush appointee, by the way, to the federal bench, after uh, she was even forced to slap Kobach with sanctions for contempt, fining him $1,000 in the first instance and slapping him with a very humiliating sanction again on Monday of this week as she released her final ruling in the case after a lengthy bench trial earlier this year in which Kobach and his team in the courtroom were reprimanded time and again for violating evidentiary and other standard courtroom procedures. As many had expected, uh, Judge Robinson's verdict did not go well for Kobach, uh, who is now, by the way, termed out as Secretary of State, so he's running for governor in Kansas this year. In any event, On Monday, as the Wichita Eagle reports, a federal judge struck down a Kansas voter citizenship law that Secretary of State Chris Kobach had personally defended, finding it in violation of the Constitution as well as the National Voter Registration Act. In a 118-page ruling on Monday, Robinson ordered a halt to the state's requirement that people provide proof of citizenship in order to register to vote. The decision holds the potential to make registration easier as the August primary and November general elections approach. That, after tens of thousands of voter registrations had remained in various forms of limbo for years under this scheme. Robinson's ruling, the Eagle observes, amounted to a takedown of the law that Kobach had championed and lawmakers approved several years ago. She found that the scheme, quote, disproportionately impacts duly qualified registration applicants while only nominally preventing non-citizen voter registrations. She ordered Kobach not to enforce the proof of citizenship law and its accompanying regulations. This was a huge and hard-fought victory for voting rights advocates and for the ACLU, which led the legal battle for many years, and specifically a win for voters in Kansas all of that was even before the new and humiliating sanctions that Robinson slapped Kobach with as part of a ruling on Monday. Joining us now to discuss that ruling, those new humiliating sanctions, and a new voting rights lawsuit against Chris Kobach on another matter just filed by the ACLU today is Sophia Lynn Lakin. She is a staff attorney with the ACLU's Voting Rights Project, one of the litigators in the Kansas courtroom as part of the ACLU's trial team on this case. She's actively litigating voting rights cases across the country and is involved in challenges to discriminatory voter ID and registration requirements, cutbacks to early voting and same day registration. The dilution of minority votes in local elections and other barriers to voting and discriminatory voting practices and procedures. I suspect she may be celebrating today, but it's going to be another busy year for Sophia. Sophia Lake and welcome to the broadcast.
2: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
0: Sure. Uh, Congratulations on your big victory this week in Kansas. Uh, What was the essence of Judge Robinson's uh, verdict here?
2: Well, I think you've recapped it pretty well, but at the end of the day, the judge pretty much agreed that Chris Kobach has been peddling a pretty much a xenophobic lie that non-citizens are are engaging in rampant election fraud, and um, this was his chance. This court battle that we just had was his chance to to put on the record his evidence that this is what was happening, and the judge saw that evidence, and she uh, agreed that there was very little evidence of non-citizen voting in kansas certainly not enough to justify the tens of thousands of individuals that uh, have been disenfranchised by that requirement and she struck it down um, under both federal law the national voter registration act as well as under the u.s constitution so now kansas uh, has pretty much the same registration requirements as nearly every other state um, in this country
0: how many unlawful uh, non-citizen registrations and actual votes was K- uh, was Kobach able to demonstrate uh, during that trial that had occurred, I think, going back some 20 years during the trial?
2: Yeah, so over a course of um, about 15 years, from 1999 to 2013, uh, Kobach was able to present a just uh, 39 confirmed non-citizens who were able to successfully get on the rolls. Uh, so that's 39 over a 15-year period, and of those 39 confirmed non-citizens who were able to get on the rolls, um, only 11 voted.
0: 11 non-citizen voters in 20 years versus uh, how many people was he talking about and, and were you guys fighting for uh, uh, to protect who were unable to vote in various ways uh, due to this proof of citizenship requirement that he put in place?
2: Well, we what we know is that the time that the law went into effect that we were seeing about uh, 35,000 eligible mm-hmm. Kansans who were qualified reg- that trying to register to vote being blocked by the requirement Um, now because of the P.I. ruling that that judge robinson had put into place About Mm -hmm. two years ago at this point, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of those individuals were able to get registered to vote. But we do know that we're talking about tens of thousands of of individuals who were prevented from getting on the rolls and therefore prevented from voting.
0: Well, you know, election integrity, you got to stop those 11 non-citizens, even if it means 35,000 legitimate uh, voters can't vote. And by the way, most of the, as I understand it, those 39 non-citizen registrations, most of whom did not vote, uh, but they were found to be administrative errors. What type of administrative errors uh, causes that?
2: Well, there are all st- different types, but one of the main ones that because we were focused on individuals registering to vote at the DMV mm-hmm. specifically, um, what we were seeing were, were situations where an individual who happened to be a non citizen would go to try to get a driver 's license, which they can do. permanent residents obviously drive um, in the United States and they can get they need driver 's licenses mm-hmm. to do so show up at the DMV um, are are asked to register to vote. Uh, even though the DMV official knows that this individual has just shown um, a document, a green card, uh, most likely, Mm -hmm. demonstrating that they're a non-citizen. They're therefore then asked, oh, by the way, do you want to register to vote? Um, And this individual doesn't necessarily know whether or not um, they can register to vote. They're Mm -hmm. asked by a government official whether or not they want to. They think they should. Um, They sign up and they get registered. Um, There are also other types of mistakes that, For instance, someone could mark uh, that somebody asked to be registered to vote when they didn't. Mm. There are all sorts of things that could happen along the way. Um, But there are certainly bureaucratic mistakes that that we've seen that were documented in emails uh, between the Secretary of State's office and individuals there, and and saying things like, we wish that DMV clerks wouldn't make these types of mistakes.
0: And the judge, I think, even pointed that out, that the uh, uh, the remedy for these uh, problems, if you consider 39 non-citizen registrations over 20 years to be a problem, that the remedy there is not to penalize legitimate voters, but to have better training for clerks at the DMV. Is that right?
2: That's that's certainly one place where they can do a much better job. Um the judge noted that and um we pointed to a number of different places where um it was pretty obvious that D M B workers weren't getting um sufficient training on on how to properly register individuals and not register inadvertently um, non-citizens.
0: Now there were several different what they called suspension lists, I guess voters who registered but failed to include these uh, proof of citizenship documents when they registered. Uh, One list, as I understand it, allowed those voters who used the federal form, that National Voter Registration Form, to vote only in federal elections, not in state elections. The other suspension list uh, from Kobach uh, barred uh, these voters, if they signed up in state, uh, barred them from uh, uh, voting in any election. Does Judge Robinson's verdict here restore all such registrations at this point or just the ones who had used the federal form but then were prevented from uh, voting and, well, who were only allowed to vote in federal elections until now?
2: So just to clarify, um, there were... There was a suspense list at one point in time that, that, as you say, uh, ensured that only individuals who registered uh, with a DPOC could vote in all elections, and then a separate list for individuals who um, could only vote in federal elections. Now, those individuals just... So you know, where it was not only that they could only vote in federal elections, they had to cast a provisional ballot mm. in which somebody would then look at it mm. and count only the federal elections and toss out all other ballots, uh, votes that were cast on any other election. Mm. Now, we actually went to court um, to sue um, Chris Kobuk about this particular, this dual registration system, this sort of two-tiered system, and um, arguing that that... He was pretty much making up a system out of whole cloth. He didn't have any authority under um, any law in Kansas to do something like that. Um, and we won. And that case is a separate case. And so individuals who registered to vote using um, the, the National Voter Registration Form, as well as through the DMV, were supposed to be allowed to vote in all elections mm. and treated just like any other voter. Now, what what the Judge Robinson's most recent ruling did was Actually, extend uh, the 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 abolition essentially mm-hmm. of the documentary proof of citizenship requirement to all forms of registration and the importance of that is that it extends the state form as well. So any way that you register to vote in Kansas now, you do not need to provide documentary proof of citizenship, not just if you use the federal form, not just if you register at DMV.
0: So that is indeed very good news for folks in Kansas. There's a similar law, Sophia Lakin, in, uh, that the state of Arizona uh, passed, where Kobach had uh, helped advise them on that, and on their so-called "papers please" law against uh, those that law enforcement felt might be undocumented. Uh, that law was was also struck down by the courts. Uh, but the proof of citizenship law, I believe, is for re- voter registration, is still in place in Arizona, it, d- despite Monday's ruling in Kansas. Am I right about that? So
2: Arizona does uh, was one of the two states, or Kansas. No longer should no longer be enforcing. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, we will be in court again tomorrow. Um, <laughs> Arizona Good. is one of the two states that have a documentary proof of citizenship requirement that they've been enforcing. There are other, there are two other states that also have them that have not been enforcing them, as far as we're aware. Arizona's is a little a little bit easier to satisfy, though, because you can use a driver's license number, mm. um, and so that at the very least that provides some relief for individuals who don't have their documents. Um, the underlying documents, like a birth certificate passport and and naturalization documents, um, that are our possession rates for those are so much lower. Um, so there is a little bit of a difference there. but but um, but you're right. there is a requirement, a citizenship requirement um, there in Arizona as well.
0: And I hope that, uh, yeah, I, I hope you guys are in court tomorrow on that one before we get to November when it comes to Arizona. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about these sanctions in one moment, but uh, Kobach, of course, says he plans to appeal the court's ruling. Uh, In a statement, he noted that Judge Robinson is the first judge in the country to come to the extreme conclusion that requiring a voter to prove his citizenship is unconstitutional. Her conclusion is incorrect, and it is inconsistent with precedents of the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, That was his uh, statement there. Uh, Extreme, Sophia, your response to his uh, statement here, and any guesses as to what might be the basis for uh, an appeal in this case?
2: Well, I, I I think it's kind of f- funny that You sounds uh, like you were uh, chuckling uh, yeah. while I was reading that <laughs> response. <laughs> right, that she's a uh, you know the first judge to come to this conclusion. Well, I will say that you know, Kobach is the first you know this is the state this is ground zero this is where he is um, experimenting with Kansans' right to vote um, by imposing this this show me your papers requirement in Kansas um, and and seeing how far that gets him. And so of course it's the first. Time that a court has struck this down um but she, I, I i'm i'm obviously not surprised by by his statement um we're not surprised that he wants to appeal and uh not surprised that he thinks that um he has to at least say that he believes that he'll prevail um that's been this has been the centerpiece of his uh voter suppression agenda and um sort of the his baby along the way there's no doubt in my mind that he will continue to to fight it it's it's bound up with his entire agenda and life story. Um so that's not surprising at all. Um I think the Judge Robinson was extremely meticulous and careful as you saw um 118 pages um where she's going through the all the different things that were uh, brought out in this very long trial. She in fact made us go to trial. Um we moved for summary judgment uh mm-hmm. tried to get a ruling on the papers in this case and the judge very much wanted um basically chris kovak to have his day in court to to put his 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 uh evidence of non-citizen voting to the test um mm-hmm. to see what he was able to actually muster we even reopened discovery for the very purposes of him doing that and so um you know, proof is in the pudding here. Yeah. He utterly failed to to do anything there, and so you know he can try to appeal this, but the, but Judge Robinson really really took the time to be careful um, and and really document um, every single one of her
0: findings. And we should uh, underscore that this uh, judge was not one of these uh, lefty crazy uh, liberals like uh, Sophia Lakin of the ACLU. <laughs> this was a George W. Bush appointed federal judge, George W. Bush. Uh, Sophia, we read uh, report after report in the media uh, during the trial of Kobach, sort of infuriating the judge uh, throughout the trial, breaking rules and so forth. You were on the ground inside the courtroom. Was it as bad and embarrassing as the media reports seemed to suggest at the time?
2: I imagine it might have been worse. Um, I, I think it was pretty shocking for for everyone on the trial team, um, you know, talking to people who were in the gallery, um, just just members of the public, as well as um, you know, interested members of the media who said, you know, now I know how to introduce evidence um because the judge had walked his trial team through that process so many times. Um, it, it was pretty surprising the lack of preparation, um and lack of knowledge about sort of very basic uh, evidentiary rules as well as uh, very basic uh, trial procedure.
0: And, and um, any any idea why he chose to represent himself and he, he this was his choice. He could have hired uh, someone to represent Kansas but he chose to do it himself. Any idea why he chose to do that rather than hire a competent attorney as far as you know?
2: <laughs> well, I I believe that he thinks he is an a competent a competent attorney and um, you know, to the extent that he Uh, has argued before in appellate courts and and other courts as well. Uh, I will say trial procedure is a different beast than all of that. Mm. Um, I believe he thinks that he did a good job, potentially, uh, for for all I know. Um, But, you know, this is his baby. Um, Like I said, it's a centerpiece of his voter suppression agenda, and I can't imagine that he'd feel comfortable leaving it to anybody else's hands um, and and think that they would do the job and be sort of the zealous advocate for, for for this and for, you know, the cause of non-existent voter fraud. Um, so that's that's my guess of as to why. And, you know, I know he's made statements about this saving the state of Kansas money. But um, as you noted that he's already been sanctioned mm-hmm. once, a thousand dollars earlier in this case, um, a couple Months ago, he was sanctioned again to pay our attorney's fees for another motion for contempt. And, um, you know, the, the, the petition that we filed was around $50,000. Um, so I don't know how much money this ended up saving Kansas.
0: Well, when we heard about uh, first that uh, the, those initial uh, uh, sanctions uh, for a thousand dollars, and then uh, to pay your attorney's fees, then the question was, what else was this going to cost the state of Kansas? Uh, how much more money to make up for his failure, I guess, as a litigator? But um, this time, she added something else, and I think it's a rather unique and seems to me uniquely humiliating sanction against Chris Kobach in her ruling. Can you explain what Judge Robinson uh sanctioned him with? Uh sure, which is so yes. embarrassing. Yeah.
2: So yeah, Judge Robinson ordered um essentially ordered Kobach to go back to school. Uh <laughs> she she um ordered him to take an additional six hours of continuing legal education. Uh lawyers have to take continuing legal education to, to maintain their law licenses. So she said on top of those requirements you have to do another six hours and they have to focus on civil procedure or evidence. And you have to come back to me um, and tell me and certify to this court that you've um, accomplished that and that you did that. Um, So... You know, uh, some of the tweets that I've seen out there is that Yale should get its money back. Um,
0: (laughs) Have have you ever seen a judge uh, impose something like that on an attorney? You need to go back to school for six more hours?
2: To be quite honest, I'm not sure I've seen so many um, sanctioned rulings. Um, against an attorney at all um, of the, <laughs> in a case, uh, right. but certainly uh, this this requirement to go back to school is, is unique in my mind. Uh, I and I haven't seen something wow. like that before. But um,
0: is, is it also appealable? By the way,
2: I imagine he will appeal all of the sanctions <laughs> rulings.
0: Wow. Along
2: with everything else.
0: So embarrassing uh, for him. Actually, for voters of Kansas, of any party, I mean, to just see your secretary of state uh, sort of be dragged through this sort of embarrassment of this and the the Trump uh, Election Integrity Commission, that debacle. Uh, I'm just kind of embarrassed for Kansas, uh, and we'll see how they vote this year because Kobach's running for governor. But last uh, question here, Sophia, uh, just to uh, maybe rub salt in the wound. I don't know. I guess uh, the Kansas ACLU has filed yet another lawsuit now against Kobach today regarding his cross-check program, which purportedly uh, shares the names of voters in some 26 states that are supposedly registered in both states. Uh, what does that uh, lawsuit regard specifically? And gosh, I wonder if uh, Kobach is going to decide to represent himself again.
2: Sure. So, you know, this, this lawsuit arose out of uh, the inadvertent, or perhaps uh, I'm not sure it was inadvertent, it was a, a response to a public records request um, for for various voter data uh, from Using cross check information from flo- the state of Florida, actually. And that, through that re- records request, um, individuals' personal information was released to a member of the public and then the public at large. Um, and uh, as a result, uh, there's been more of a spotlight on exactly what is happening with this program, the Interstate Voter Registration Cross Check System, which does, as you say, attempt to try to identify double voters. Um, or double registrants in the states that are members by comparing first name, last name, and date of birth across voter registration files in different states. Um, and what states do is they upload their data into a FTP site, mm-hmm. and then Kansas, through Chris Kobach's office, uh, tries to match this information and then resends that information out into the world. But as you can imagine, um, there are so many problems with CrossCheck itself and being unreliable and so forth. Um, there have been studies demonstrating that this type of methodology of comparing first name, last name, date of birth is, um, 99% likely to result in a false positive and yep. so forth. So it's terrible information. But this particular lawsuit is looking at how is that information, uh, that, those, per, that personal information that you have, your social security number, your first name, last name, date of birth, all tied together in these voter registration files. Um, and, that information is being sent to and from different states how is that information being protected and secured um... and and uh... based on all this information that um, members of the public have been able to find based on information that the secretary of state's office um, itself has said um, they that information is not secure, um, and so that's what this lawsuit is challenging, um, the fact that they are um, recklessly handling um, people's voter registration information, their personal and confidential information.
0: Not not my Chris Kobach. Uh, Sophia Lakin, uh, really appreciate you joining us here today. Uh, congratulations again on this case. I suspect you'll be busy as uh, he moves forward with uh, his appeal, undoubtedly. Folks can uh, find more information on the very important ACLU Voting Rights Project at ACLU.org You can follow Sophia on the Twitters at sophlin 229 That's S-O-P-H-L-I-N The number 229 and, of course, you can follow ACLU on the Twitters at ACLU. And, Sophia, I fear you're going to have a very busy year this year uh, and probably for the next few. So thanks for taking time out to join us today, and congratulations again.
2: Thank you so much.
0: You bet. All right, quick break, and we are back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report right here on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. <laughs> You know, maybe I was just uh, too eager, too happy about uh, Chris Kobach uh, and Donald Trump's top (laughs) vote suppressor. Uh, Spent too much time uh, being happy about that. Well, Uh, it,
1: it was very satisfying. So
0: we are running late. Let's get to it. Our latest Green News report. So you get more rainfall, you get more wind damage, you also get greater storm surge.
1: Hurricanes are moving slower thanks to global warming. EPA's weakening of clean air rules could kill 80,000 Americans over the next decade. China's retaliatory tariffs hit U.S. energy companies and Alaska's seafood industry. Plus... Climate change is already eroding home values across the country.
0: All of that good news and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And
1: I'm Desi Doyen.
0: Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. A perfect merger for the Trump age. Bayer has bought Monsanto. Uh, So it's one company, same great toxins. (laughs) Could things get any better? This is your... In News Report.
1: Gonna soak up the sun.
0: Okay, Desi Doyen, speaking of things getting better... You've got nothing but good news for us today, don't you?
1: (laughs) Well, that's one way of putting it. Yeah, it looks like President Trump's tit-for-tat trade war of tariffs is set to harm new corners of the U.S. economy. In response to Trump's approval of $50 billion in new tariffs on Chinese goods announced last week, China on Monday announced it would slap retaliatory trade tariffs on U.S. energy exports, including shipments of U.S. oil, coal, and petrochemicals. China is the third largest buyer of U.S. oil. Oil product, China will also hit Alaska's commercial fishing industry, slapping a 25% tariff on Alaskan seafood. Alaska's seafood exports to China were worth $750 million
0: last year. So Donald Trump is... Uh, helping to put those coal miners back to work by making uh, coal more expensive all over the world so that no one wants it?
1: That seems to be what he's aiming for.
0: The plan is sound.
1: Meanwhile, two Harvard scientists estimate that if the Trump Environmental Protection Agency succeeds in weakening clean air and clean water standards, some 80,000 more Americans could die every decade. In their controversial letter, it's not a study but a letter, published in the Journal of the American Medical Association they say that their, quote, extremely conservative estimate is based on the EPA's own calculations of pollution's impact on public health. In a recent broadcast, environmental journalist David Roberts explained that Trump's rollback of pollution standards really amounts to a pollution tax on the American public.
0: Getting rid of these regulations is an upward income redistribution. You're taking po- money out of the pockets of ordinary people in the form of health costs mm-hmm. and missed work and all the rest of it. And you're putting it in the pockets of industrialists who are already (laughs) wealthy. Well, it's one thing to redistribute wealth when you're going from the rich to the poor. That's just outrageous. But taking money from the poor and giving it to the rich, that's just the American way.
1: And in this case... Perhaps 80,000 more people will see early deaths.
0: Just the cost of doing business.
1: Meanwhile, hurricane systems are moving more slowly due to climate change, and that is bad news for everyone in their path. A new study from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration finds that because of warming at the poles, which is slowing down the jet stream that drives weather systems, hurricanes are moving about 10 percent slower than they used to. That's causing storms to stall and park in place, like Hurricane Harvey's record breaking rain and flooding last year. That's according to lead author James Cawson here in an interview with NPR. If the wind's blowing really hard and it blows a few more hours than it would have, the likelihood of knocking that structure down increase. So you get more rainfall, you get more wind damage, you also get greater storm surge. Slower storms will have a tendency to push a larger wall of water in front of them. So it's kind of a, a triple threat.
0: Well, yeah, we have seen this a lot in recent storms. I'm thinking going back to Superstorm Sandy, where these uh, weather systems move in and they just kind of stay put and dump enormous amounts of rain in the bargain, in Sandy, in Harvey, and many other recent storms.
1: And it's already having an effect on home values. Last week, we reported on a study that found that South Florida home values are already changing in response to the risk of rising sea levels. Now, a new analysis by Bloomberg News released on Monday finds that climate concerns are also eroding home values elsewhere in the United States. Homes at high risk of of floods dropped about 5% in price over the last decade, Bloomberg found, while homes with low flood risk jumped nearly 10% higher in value. Wildfire risk was also impacting home values. Again, homes with the lowest risk were valued much higher than homes that were at the highest risk of wildfires. They say that it's a sign that Americans may be starting to take climate change seriously, at least when it comes to buying a house. But finally, some good news. Thanks to the United Kingdom's planned ban of single-use plastic straws and similar items, fast food giant McDonald's has announced that it will switch to paper straws at all of its stores in the U.K. and Ireland starting in September of this year. But customers in the United States are going to have to wait a bit longer. McDonald's won't even begin testing plastic straw alternatives in its U.S. restaurants until later this year
0: We have to test alternatives to plastic straws
1: In some restaurants
0: For much more on all of this madness Please check out our website at Greennews.bradblog.com Find us, follow us, and share us Worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters At Green News Report I'm Brad Friedman And I'm Desi Doyan And this has been your Green News Report First straw so small it seemed impossible The next man is like shooting sun. not. <laughs> Plastic straw fans will just have to suck it up. Oh. Thank you very much Desi Toy, and our producer. Uh, thanks to my guest today, Sophia Lakin of the ACLU's Voting Rights Project and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com and I hope you'll find and follow me on the Twitters and the Facebooks at The brad blog and my thanks to those of you who help keep us going by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate you are the only ones who do bradblog.com slash donate thank you that's it until we meet again i'm brad friedman good luck world